Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. Um, so our first Bible reading comes from Isaiah 11, 1 to 2. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2, and 2. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Our second reading is coming from Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. And now Phil is going to come and share the word. Sorry, Ruth, I have to give a correction to what you said. I'm uh, preaching on behalf of the Lord. <laughs> Not Jacko. But Jacko did ask me, to, oh, wow, that's really loud. I'm really loud anyway, so turn me down. I'm not going to ask if you can hear me, because obviously you can. <laughs> Thanks for having me here again. Um, that's got to be one of my family. Yeah. Um, I reckon this week's probably been one of the busiest weeks of my life. There's all sorts of stuff been going on with family and my mum and dad and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I was thinking it'd be really good just to throw this back at Jacko or Sam or someone else. <clears throat> but I thought, you know what? Today is about the, the work of the Holy Spirit, the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. I figured, well, today will be a really great test to see whether I actually believe what I'm about to say. <laughs> Um, so that's what we've done I've just gone with I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to say some stuff so let's see what he's got to say um, a couple of weeks ago we looked at who the Holy Spirit is um, and I think out of everything that we learn about the Holy Spirit it's knowing who he is is probably the, the main thing if we get that I think everything else will fall into place so we looked at he's the personal glorious majestic God the third person of our, of our amazing triune God. He's to be worshipped. He's to be glorified. He works intimately with our Father God and our Saviour, the Lord Jesus, in everything that God does. The Holy Spirit is involved in everything that God does. We can't compartmentalise him into this or that. It's, he is a part of everything. The Father is a part of everything. The Son is a part of everything everything that God does. So the Holy Spirit was there, intimately active in the generation of the universe, and he's there intimately active in the regeneration of his children. He breathes life to our dead hearts, he opens our minds, he awakens us to our desperate need for a saviour, and he empowers us to cry out to the saviour in repentance. He gives us faith, so that we can believe and trust in Jesus. That was a couple of weeks ago. 
Last week, Jacko spoke of the Holy Spirit in the inspiration, the spiration, the breathing out of the words of God in the Bible. The Spirit gives life to the words. They are words on a page, but they are so much more than words on the page when the Holy Spirit comes upon us and comes alongside of us and teaches us what those words mean, helping us to understand. This week we're going to look at the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, which is us. Yeah? We're the believers, so we're talking about us. I've had an amazing time preparing this um, amidst all of the, the hassle and, I guess, stresses of life of this week. It's been really amazing. I've, I've got to be reminded of just who the Holy Spirit is again and finding myself drawn more into his life exploring his presence and power in my own life. Um, and I got to think a lot about you. Um, uh, some of the guys came and helped me move some rubbish for my mum and dad um, the other day, and we were talking afterwards um, over some, some food, and, and it really made me aware of that this is, this is all of us. This, this topic is really relevant to all of us in our lives. It was relevant to these guys. It was relevant to me as we are talking and I'm guessing it's relevant to you in your lives. So I've got to think a lot about you um, and the presence of our Lord, the Spirit, in your lives, in the lives of my brothers and sisters. It's been really wonderful and amazing. So, let's go. Um, the primary thing, the thing most central to our understanding of the Holy Spirit is to be reminded again and again that we're talking about a person. A real life, alive, active, present person. We're not talking about some force or some energy. We're not talking about some substance or some fluid or some, I don't know, some weird something. We're talking about a person. Um, I know that you would have experienced this. Have you ever been somewhere where you can see everyone, you can hear what's being said, you're right in the middle of it, but no one seems to notice that you're there. It's just a quick little quick survey. Have you ever been, been there? People walk past you. They don't acknowledge you. It's as if you weren't there at all. Have we all experienced that? I, th- I think we probably, yeah, everyone's nodding. Um, it's awful when that happens. Well, I think that we probably do that to God the Holy Spirit. Um, And we probably do it to him all the time. We do it to the Father. We do it to our Saviour Jesus. Um, He's here amongst us. A real, live person. And yet we can sit here as if he's not here. We do it in church. We can enjoy the songs. Sam, I was feeling really quite oppressed actually well, before we were singing and then we sang um, How Great Thou Art and I just, the Holy Spirit just grabbed me and it's amazing. But that doesn't always happen. I've sung that song plenty of times with no anything. I'm singing it, it's the words coming out and I'm singing it because everyone around me is singing it but I'm not actually singing it to the Lord. Um, we can enjoy the songs, we can benefit from the message We can enjoy each other's company without really being aware of and acknowledging the very one we worship. 
Does that make sense? I, th I think we can do that. So, I think we should start by acknowledging that right now um, before we move on. So let's just stop. I think it would be good for us to say sorry. Let's apologise to him for walking past him, for ignoring him and for, for excluding him from our lives. I think that would be a great place to start. Let's ask for forgiveness and ask him to set our minds right, to set our hearts right, so we can treat him the way we should. Um, so just, I'd, I'd love us to spend a minute or two, and this is just personal, this isn't everyone, this is just you and your God. Um, I'd like us to just spend a minute or two, just quietly, right now, one on one, and just apologise. And he is, he loves to forgive. And he loves to set things right. But we, I think we just need to do that. So can we just do that? I'm not going to say anything. Go. Lord, we're really thankful that you're so willing to forgive and you're so pleased to hear our cries of repentance and you're so willing to repair the damage that this has done to our relationship with you. Thank you for being so gracious and so loving and so kind to your children. So Lord, wash us clean, turn our hearts to you and empower us to learn from you right now. We ask because we can in Jesus. Amen. Now for many of us, that actually might be enough. Um, I think if we, if we get that part right of him being here and us paying attention to him, um, it's probably enough. But I'm going to keep going anyway. Um, so we've already looked at the Holy Spirit's actions in bringing us to faith in Jesus. And he comes and he opens our eyes and he takes out our heart of stone and he replaces it with a heart of flesh and he makes us alive to him. Um, and then he comes 
And he makes us into a temple, a palace for himself to live in. And through him, the Father and the Son make their home with us. So we're looking at the, at the Holy Spirit's presence in our life, empowering presence in our life. The first thing is that he makes us into his house and a house for him and the Father and the Son to dwell. Now there's a mind-blowing thought that you are a temple in which the Holy Spirit lives and he brings the Father and the Son with him. Jesus said in John 14, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. How was the Holy Spirit dwelling with them? Well, the Holy Spirit was indwelling Jesus, and Jesus was with them. They were already experiencing the, the work and life of the Holy Spirit in their friend Jesus. He says, He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, Jesus says. I'll come to you. And then later in John 14, he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And we often talk about Christ in you or Christ living in our hearts. But it's actually Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We will come to him. So we are the home, we are the dwelling of God. Um, imagine God choosing me to live in well the spirit works at cleaning us up renovating us from the inside clearing out the sin and making us more and more into the image of Jesus he's making us into a home fully furnished for the king of kings to live in so he comes and lives within us but often what he sees within us ain't great and he gets, it, gets to work cleaning us up and renovating and making us more like him, a place where he really wants to live. Um, it's just amazing, fully furnished for the King of Kings. Imagine if we simply took that aspect of the Holy Spirit's work seriously and really believed it and acted upon it, that he's making us into a temple. Well, there's more. So we're looking at the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. He seals us. He, make, he saves us. He rescues us. He cleans us up. He, make, he, he, he makes us into a temple. He renovates us. And he seals us into the kingdom of God. Ephesians 4 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. We're sealed for our salvation. There is no fear of being rejected or losing your salvation. If anyone is concerned about losing your salvation, I know there are lots of Christians that would disagree with me, I don't care, the scripture is really clear, he seals us for the day of redemption. We are saved, we are secure, we are saved, we are sealed, and nothing can separate us from the love of God because he's the seal, his presence with us. No one can fight against that. There's no fear of being rejected or losing your salvation all the fiery darts of the evil one, all of the schemes of men cannot break that seal of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, we know Romans 8. 
Can anyone quickly yell out the, first, the main part of Romans 8 that they know? There is therefore now... There you go. Thanks for that. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation? No, none. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you, you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of, of Christ, he is not his. So if you're in Christ, if you've trusted him for your salvation, the salvation he offers through his blood, you've been born again of the spirit and he dwells in you. There is no condemnation ever. But if you're not in Christ, there is condemnation. And there might be some people here that need to hear this part. Rejecting the salvation he offers only has one ultimate outcome. Death. Forever. If you reject the offer of life, and I pray that you're not, I pray that there's no one here, but if you reject the offer of life, there's no life. He's the only one that's got, that, that offers life. If you reject that offer, there is no life. So today is a good day, a really good day to, to remedy that, to fix that. Um, to turn to Jesus for salvation. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He will save you. He will rescue you. He will send his spirit to indwell you and he will bring you into his kingdom. If you, if you have the spirit of Christ, if you've turned to, him for self, to the Lord for salvation, you're safe. If you haven't, you're very unsafe. So get safe. So the Holy Spirit makes his home within us. He seals us. Another thing the Holy Spirit does is he adopts us into his family. It says, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by who we cry out, Abba, Father. Another amazing work that the Spirit does in our life. He confirms with us that we are children of the Father. Because of the Spirit's presence within us, we can cry out to him, Abba, Father. Father, thank you, Father, I need you. And the word for cry out, we cry out Abba, Father. Oh, Abba just means Father. Um, um, you know the, the, the guy that um, was, was there in front of Pontius Pilate when Jesus was being tried? His name was Barabbas. And... Pilate asked the people, who do you want us to release to you? The king of the Jews or Barabbas? And they chose Barabbas. So over here we had the son of the father, Jesus. Over here we had Barabbas, which is the son of a father. They chose not the, not the son of the father, but the son of another father. We choose this one. So the word for cry out, when it says we cry out, Abba, Father, it's not a, a, a quiet, weak, kind of whimpering cry. Um, it's more of a loud, sometimes anxious, sometimes painful, Dad! 
Sometimes it's a joyous, Father. It's not, it's not a, a whimpering little thing. It's a, a, a loud, um, from the heart, from the guts, kind of crying out, Abba, Father. And we can cry out that because we're adopted children. Now, I can tell you, um, some of you know our family story from first-hand experience, the joy and the excitement and love that a father has when he brings his adopted child into, into his house. Um, the father, in my experience, delights in adopting children. I remember sitting in my lounge holding my first adopted son who may or may not be in the room with us today, um, looking at him and being overwhelmed with the love that I had for this little boy who I'd met 10 minutes earlier. And I remember wondering, as I'm looking at my son, wondering if this is how my father looks at me, his adopted son. And then later, the joy when I hear him say, Daddy, Daddy, can I have a hug? Daddy, help. It's joy for a father to hear those voices, to hear, to hear, those, wor- hear those words. And I wonder whether the Lord is using those kind of images um, to express how he feels towards us. We've all experienced little glimpses of that. I've experienced it in my family. Um, but it's an amazing thing that our Father God looks at us as his adopted, loving, loved children. And he loves it when he hears us cry out to him, Father. So he brings us out of the kingdom of darkness and we're brought into his amazing home and we are fully children of God. The adoption papers are here. We're allowed to and we're expected to cry out to our Father. Um, No one else in my life gets to call me Father. Only my children. And they're my adopted children. They're the only ones in the world that can call me Father. We, as his children, are the only ones they can really call him Father. So we need to take advantage of that. What a joyous thing to be able to cry out, Abba, Father. So I'm racing through a whole heap of stuff here so you guys can spend more time later thinking about it all. So he saves us, he brings us into his family, he turns us into a temple, he cleans us up, he seals us with his spirit, he adopts us into his family and then he works on our holiness. First of all, he makes us perfectly holy in the sight of the Father. In Corinthians it says, You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So you are perfectly clean. When God looks at you, you're clean. The sin in your life needs to be dealt with, but he doesn't look at you as sinners in need of a saviour. He looks at you as children that need cleaning up. He leads us into ongoing daily holiness. And one of the questions on Slack was about being led by the Spirit in daily life. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Um, has anyone asked that question? Yeah, come on. Yes, you all have. Yes. yes. Um, well, the Scripture speaks twice about being led by the Spirit. And both of them are speaking about holiness in the Christian life. If you've got your Bible, which you have, can you open up to Romans 8? 
And we're going to read from verse 9. Let's give you a second. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of Christ of God lives in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. So you want to know what being led by the Spirit is? It's there. Let's turn to Galatians, the other passage that talks about being led by the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, from verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lust, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, and you name it. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's frightening. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, didn't know that, you're going to have that up there, good job. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Um, a lot of kids' Bible stories and Bible books and stuff talk about trying to teach our children how to, how to have the fruit of the spirit, how to develop the fruit of the spirit. Um, and you know, there's some good in that. I think it's good to teach our children the good moral stuff. But at the end of the day, it's fruit of the spirit. It's not really stuff that you just learn. It's fruit. Apple trees don't learn how to grow apples. Apple trees just give apples because they're full of apple stuff. <laughs> That's the botanical term. So scripturally, so I'm talking scripturally, being led by the Spirit and walking in the Spirit is him working in us to draw us away from sin and temptation and bringing about good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. 
it's not really about him trying to communicate with us through whispers and hints and hidden clues. Because you hear that a lot, don't you? How do we hear from God? How, do we, how can we be led by the Spirit? And we, when we talk about it, we're often talking about how do we hear God? You know, how can we interpret that this is God speaking to us? Well, when the Bible talks about being led by the Spirit, it's not really talking about that. God isn't a God of confusion, leaving us to try to just guess his will. When God speaks, he speaks very clearly. Even in the visions and dreams he gives, he gives meaning to those things. If he gives a vision, he lets you know what the vision is. If he gives a dream, he lets you know what the dream means. There's no confusion in God. We aren't left guessing or trying to work out God's leading in our lives. I hope that makes sense because it's such a common thing. We spend so much time as Christians trying to work out what's God's will for my life? How can I know if this is God whispering to me or is this something else? We spend a lot of time. Did you know that the only people in the Bible that heard God and didn't know who it was or what he was saying, the only people that happened to were unbelievers. And even then, God brought understanding to those people. So Samuel, little Samuel, says that he was in the temple and God called out to him and he didn't know who it was. And he ran to, who did he run? what was the name of the guy? Thank you. Um, and Eli said, well, just go back, boy. It was, it was the Lord. Um, it says that Samuel wasn't, he didn't know the Lord. So it kind of made sense that he didn't know who it was that was talking to him. But then he was directed into who it was that was talking to him by Eli. Saul, it says that he was knocked to the ground and he said, who are you, Lord? Well, at that point, guess what? Saul wasn't a believer. But then he was led into understanding who it was that was speaking. So the only people that didn't understand when God had spoken to them, the only people that were ever confused when God spoke, were unbelievers. If God speaks to you, you know. He doesn't try to communicate. He communicates. In fact, God, God doesn't try to do anything. He does the things that he wants to do. He succeeds in everything he does. If he wants to talk to you, he will talk to you and he will guide you. If he wants to say something to you, Cindy, you'll know it's him. You don't have to guess. There's no confusion with God. The Spirit of God has inspired his words and his very words are the main way that he directs us in life. And we have an incredible privilege of being able to read those words. And it's a big, thick book. Lots and lots of words to teach us. We need to read it. We need to do what it says. And as we do, our wills become more and more aligned with his will. His desires become our desires. We begin to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul. We begin to love our neighbour as ourselves. I read a book a while back by a guy called Kevin DeYoung and it's called Just Do Something. And it's all about his journey to try to find out God's leading in his life. What does God want me to do with my life? And he said 
it came, it came to him as he was reading through the scriptures that the, baby, the Bible basically has a, a really basic message for Christians. It says, be saved because you're a sinner that needs to be saved. You're a, a rebel, you need to get on your knees and you need to repent and you need to turn to the saviour. That's the first thing. And then he's, he gives you his word and he says, read the thing. I've given you my words. I've breathed this book out. Read it. And then do what it says. And basically what it says is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength and love your neighbour as yourself. That's the, that's the law of God in a nutshell. Jesus said, that's it. So you get saved, you read the scriptures, you keep reading the scriptures, you love the Lord, you love your neighbour and then you do whatever you want. And as you do whatever you want, you're doing whatever you want with a heart that desires to follow the Lord. You're doing it with a heart that's been changed by him. You're doing it with a heart who's been, whose will has been changed and made more like his will. So as you do whatever you want, you end up doing what he wants because you're so, in, so I guess, overwhelmed with him in your life. You can do anything. Does that make sense? You're not going to do the wrong stuff. You're not going to sin. You're not going to do stuff that's going to harm other people. You're not going to do all that awful stuff. Do whatever you want because your heart has been aligned with his will. As we do that, he directs us, he guides us, and he brings wisdom into our lives. And we end up in his will. And I can say to you right now, I am absolutely confident that I am in the will of God for all of my life. Now, there's, there's, there's sin that the Lord's still dealing with in my life. So when, I'm, when I move away from his word and moving away from his spirit, he needs to bring, bring me back in. But I'm absolutely confident that I'm doing exactly what he wants me to do with my family, um, with church, with everything. Um, but we read about supernatural events, don't we? Extraordinary miracles in the Bible. And we want that in our lives. We read these things, we say, how come the Holy Spirit isn't bringing words of wisdom, prophecies, speaking in tongues? He's not providing miracles all the time in our lives. Because he did in the Bible, didn't he? Well, it's easy to expect that these things are ordinary and natural in everyday events for the Christian. We hear stories about amazing miracles and wish they were happening to us. But I'm not sure that's what the Lord has for us. I think he wants us to get on, get on with living as we know we ought to live, loving God and loving your neighbour, spending time in his word and prayer. And when he wants, he'll intervene. He can and sometimes does bring visions. Sometimes he gives dreams. Sometimes he speaks in extraordinary ways. But I don't know where we find that in scripture that that is meant to be an everyday experience for Christians. Now this might be controversial, but I don't care. I'm trying to do what the scripture says. I don't know that the scripture tells us that we should be experiencing supernatural, amazing miracles, extraordinary stuff all the time. I don't find that in scripture. It wasn't like that even to the apostles. If it was, they didn't talk about it that way. As you read through the scripture, you find that the apostles struggle, they battle, they try to work out what's going on. Um, even the apostles don't have extraordinary supernatural miracles happening all the time in their lives. They are supernatural and they are extraordinary. 
but he does do the extraordinary when he wants to. I've seen this in my family over. If you ever want to spend an afternoon talking with us about all the stuff that the Lord has done in our lives, I love telling it, love the stories. I've seen it in my family over and over and over and over and over and over again. Sometimes amazing, obviously miracles. Sometimes just ordinary, but divine interventions in our life. Quick story. Our family, um, I said before, our family's been thrown into a spin the last few weeks. Um, My mum and dad caught COVID um, a few weeks ago. Uh, Dad was fine, mild cough, 89 years old, didn't even know he had it. Mum ended up with heart issues, um, lung issues and having seizures. Um, She ended up in hospital in a really bad way. Um, She's now in a nursing home in respite and Dad's living with us, um, for now anyway. Um, So I'm living the dream. I've got my father living with us and I've got my mother-in-law living with us. Um, I've got my five kids, my wife, five chickens, rabbit, dog and a bearded dragon. Anyway, we had to set up a room for my dad. This is all happening really quickly. Had to set up a room for my dad in our house. And um, thanks, Adam and Sarah, um, a couple of my kids kind of had to they re- rearrange their living arrangements so my dad had his own space. Um, they turned their lives upside down for Papa, and that's terrific. Anyway, got this room, no problem. We needed a bed. I spent a day looking for a bed that would be, would be right. Now, my dad is very much a, a man of procedure and precision. Not, doesn't like change. Um, had a double bed um, for 50 years, same double bed. Um, so that's what I was trying to find, trying to find something that would be, would be right for him because that's what he's used to, make life as easy as possible, ripping him out of his house, his wife's already away from him, want to make things as easy as possible for him. Double bed would be great. Couldn't find anything that would work. Went Gumtree and Facebook, mark, Marketplace, and just couldn't find a thing. Anyway, this is a couple of weeks ago. Spent a whole day looking, couldn't find anything. Next day, here at church, sitting down chatting with Jeremy and Kristen over there, um, Jeremy says, do you know anyone that could use a double bed? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) You know, we picked it up that afternoon and it was ready for my dad to move in the next day. And we had to have him in there the next day. And the bed was perfect and the timing was perfect. And I was thinking about it, in over 50 years, I've never had anyone out of the blue offer me a double bed. Um, Dad's 89 years old. I asked him, Dad, have you, has anyone ever offered you a double bed? No. But the day that we needed it, the spirit was at work, using a, a couple of his children to provide for an old man. Um, that doesn't sound like much. But that was huge for our family. Um, So I'm going to get a little bit emotional here, so just put up with that. Um, My dad's not a believer, um, which is terrifying to me. So things like this are small but massive signs to us of his intervention in my dad's life. Um, And I think he's seeing that as well. Because obviously we told him the story. And when I told him, he just burst out laughing. He just thought it was amazing. Um, and the other day, sorry, I'll go back. Um, so he's living with us. My dad's living with us. 89, old bloke. Um, he's living with us. He has meals with us. Um, after our meals, we pray. Um, we talk about the Lord. 
He sees us praying. He sees us interacting with each other in the Lord. He sees us loving him and loving his wife, my mum. And he's seeing us trust our Lord. I reckon my dad's going to get saved. I really do. At lunch the other day, um, he took Alison's hand, just the two of them, and asked if he could say grace. Now that, for my dad, if you knew my dad, massive. Never done that. Never heard him pray. But he, he did that. So the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. Um, you guys worked in your life. You weren't thinking about the Holy Spirit when you offered a bed. I'm pretty sure you just wanted to clean it out and make room for your baby, yeah? But the Holy Spirit, you loved us and did that. It's, it's amazing. So the Holy Spirit's at work in our life in really ordinary but extraordinary ways. While we're just getting on with loving our family and doing what we know we should be doing, and Jeremy and Kristen are just getting on with their lives, the Spirit works and he intervenes. Now, let's talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Because we're all in agreement with all of that, aren't we? We know exactly what the gifts of the Spirit are about. Does the Spirit still give gifts today? Yes, he does, absolutely. But I think we need to understand the gifts of the Spirit the way the Spirit has revealed them in his word. Um, There's a lot of garbage out there. There are a lot of things that Satan wants to do to confuse us, to um, trip us up, to bring disunity. Um, That was fabulous what you said earlier, Cindy. Um, There's all sorts of stuff to bring disunity. And I think this is one of the big issues that Satan uses to bring disunity amongst, amongst God's children. A lot of garbage out there. You go to some of the big Christian bookstores. I'm not going to name any big bookstores in the city. Um, there's some really great stuff there, but there is some real garbage. I used to work in Word Bookstore when there was a Word Bookstore. It's kind of like Kurong, mini version of Kurong. I spent a lot of time hiding books, <laughs> which afterwards I realised isn't actually a very good thing to do as an employee, but... Anyway, 10 steps to being a better prophet. Really? How to heal like Jesus. How to learn to speak in tongues. Um, The thing about gifts is that they're gifts. They are the Holy Spirit providing gifts to empower his people for the purpose of edifying his church. We don't need to have 10 steps to being a better prophet. We don't need to have books to tell us how to be better at, at, at learning how to speak in tongues. These things are, if God gives gifts, he gives gifts. And he comes with the gift. And it's not just a gift that's out there um, that you have by yourself. He gives the gift and then he comes and he opens the gift with you. And as you use your gift to, to, to equip the saints and, and to bring joy and peace into, into his church. He's with you in it. They're the Holy Spirit providing gifts to empower his people for the purpose of edifying his church. And we get edified and built up and we use, as we use his gifts to edify his church. If we focus on his church as the reason for the gifts, then we're probably more likely to see them worked out more and more amongst us. If we try to focus on the gifts as being, what gift do you have for me, Lord? I don't think we're going to see very much. But I think if we see the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us as gifts for the church, I think we're going to see a lot more of those gifts. 
And we need to get our understanding of gifts, not from current Christian culture or the thousand books in Kurong, which often contradict each other anyway, but from the Spirit himself through his words. Do we trust the Lord to communicate with us? We, We need to. There's a real misunderstanding about tongues, about prophecy, about words of knowledge. But a lot of that misunderstanding, I think, can be, can be fixed by simply reading through the passages of Scripture that speak of the gifts. I think if we actually just read the Scriptures, we can have a great understanding of what it's all about. So there's passages in Ephesians chapter 4. You can write these down if you want to know some passages. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13 and 14. Romans chapter, chapter 12, you want to learn about gifts, read those chapters. But don't just read those chapters. Start at Ephesians chapter 1. Because when God writes his words, he writes them in a context. If someone writes you a letter, do you go to the fourth paragraph and start reading? No, you go to the first sentence and start reading. That's what we need to do with the scriptures. And I think if we actually trust that the Lord can show us what the gifts are, And if we read the passages of Scripture in their context, we will have a fantastic understanding of what they're about. And as we're reading, we'll learn what gifts he has for us and how he wants us to use those gifts in the church. So don't read Ephesians 4. Read Ephesians chapter 1 through to Ephesians chapter 6. Six. Six chapters? Yeah. Don't just read 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 through to chapter 16. Don't just read Romans chapter 12. Read Romans chapter 1 through to the end of Romans. (laughs) And let him teach you about the gifts. You know, seriously, we've got the Holy Spirit, God himself here who wrote the book. He lives within us. He empowers us. Read it and expect him to teach us what what it says. And he does, and he will, and he can. Now I reckon I've probably talked long enough. Yes. So let me finish with a passage read earlier by Ruth. So this is all about the Holy Spirit. Look very carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. They were evil then, they're evil now. Make good use of your time. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Anyone want to know what the will of the Lord is? It says it there. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with anything else that's going to lead you down a wrong path. Wine or beer or spirits or drugs or the wrong wrong people in your lives. Don't be filled with those things. Be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
The will of God is to be filled with the Spirit. Um, and the, the word for, f- for be filled is go on being filled. Now, hang on, I thought we were talking about a person. How do you be filled with a person? Sometimes when we read those passages, with, with our brains, I think, turn it into be filled with this kind of this energy or be filled with this kind of, I don't know, some sort of power or something. But it says be filled with the Spirit and the Spirit is a person. How do we do that? We spend time with him. Be filled with the things that we know he wants us to be doing. Be filled with prayer. Be filled with his words. Be filled with fellowship with each other. Speak to him. Ask him to fill your life. To take other things out of the way and fill you with himself. Spend more time with you. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Lord, make me spend more time with you. Fill my life with you, is what this is talking about. Imagine our lives would be different if we did that. I'm, I'm, I'm loving that Cindy, sorry Cindy, I'm loving that you're going somewhere else. As we are praying this morning, I, seriously, I, th- I thought of Cindy as God has said, there's a spot over there. Just the right size for Cindy to go to. So I'm going to take her out of here and I'm going to squeeze her in over there. And he's going to fill you with, your, with, with his spirit and you're going to do amazing things in that place. And they're going to be blessed just as we've been blessed. And someone's going to come and take Cindy's place. Someone's going to see that God's going to see the hole that's here and he's going to say, there's a spot. I want you to go in there. So someone will take her place and he'll fill that person with the spirit and we'll all be blessed as a result of that. So, want to know what the will of the Lord is? Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with Him. Spend time with Him. Read and pray and fellowship with each other and just have Him more and, uh, more, and more a part of your life. That's what being filled with the Spirit is. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.